0: Welcome to City of God, a podcast of the Center for Public Theology at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Dr. Owen Strand, and I'll be your host. Join us each week as we engage the city of man with the biblical wisdom of the city of God. What is the value of a life? Today on City of God, we talk about the recent film, the new film, 1917, nominated now for numerous Academy Awards, a major winner at the Golden Globes. 1917 is a genuine cultural phenomenon. It is a film that if you can handle rough language and serious warfare, images of warfare, you should definitely see as an adult. 1917 is a film, I would argue, that I think makes actually A couple of quite profound points. Now, director Sam Mendez is not necessarily taken as a heavyweight in his circles, in Hollywood circles. After I watched 1917 recently, I read numerous reviews of the film, something I very much enjoy doing for some weird reason. I think that goes back to, I think it goes back to reading reviews of movies. In my local newspaper growing up in Maine, the Bangor Daily News, and then I think it also relates to reading reviews in The New Yorker. I had a family member who subscribed to The New Yorker, and I found the film criticism arresting from a very young age. So chalk that up to personal weirdness on my count, and yet I cannot stop myself from reading numerous film reviews after I watch a film that I enjoy and uh, find worthwhile. And 1917 is one of those. I read numerous reviews about the film, though, after I watched it, and I found that most critics talked about uh, the one-shot nature of the way the film unfolds. In other words, Mendez uses this conceit of the, the one shot. In other words, it's a tracking shot that effectively follows two soldiers through the t- trenches and no man's uh, zone and other environs of World War I in 1917. Uh, and these, these, scold, these soldiers, excuse me, are called Blake and Schofield, Blake and Schofield. And so they are called to go on this mission to try and save the lives of 1,600 soldiers who are making what is effectively a doomed offensive thrust against the Germans in 1917. They're walking into a trap effectively, it turns out. And so Blake and Schofield try and stop them from doing so. And uh, I won't resolve the tension for you by giving you lots and lots of spoilers, although I will be from this point talking about what I think the film means. So let that be said. If you need to pause uh, or step away from the podcast, we will not weep for too long. But this film, I would argue, goes beyond what critics thought it does. In other words, I do not simply think this is a neat trick where there's this one tracking shot that is following these two soldiers in World War One, and there's different events that happen. Definitely, that is what director Sam Mendes is doing. But Mendes and his co-writer um, Christy Cairns Wilson, I believe I have that name right, are actually up to more, I think, than merely showing the ravages of war and uh, and togetherness among soldiers and these sorts of things. When Blake and Schofield are walking through. Uh, a forest of trees, really, a, a grove, I should say, of trees. These trees have been cut down by German soldiers. And the two soldiers, these two young men, have a, have an interesting discussion about cherries, because these are apparently cherry trees. And um, one of the soldiers does not know anything really about cherry trees, and the other does. And so he tells the soldier about just how many types of cherry trees there are, how many types of cherries there are. And uh and this is, this is occurring, by the way, after the film begins with one of the soldiers resting upon a tree. And then as the two soldiers venture out into no man's land before they have this conversation about cherries, you see all sorts of cut trees in terrible form. It's very clear, of course, that the no man's land of World War I has ravaged uh, the natural scene, as you would expect. And we very much see that as their journey unfolds. And then they come to this setting where the germans have cut down all these trees and so they're talking they're talking about the significance of really of life in this world and one of the soldiers says that the blossoms that fall from the trees will reseed the ruins friends i think there is something quite profound in that observation which which is not highlighted in a major way Rightly, I think, by Mendez. In other words, he's he's not wanting to put up neon flashing lights that say in his film, I am trying to make significant philosophical statements about the meaning and importance of life. You have to be paying attention. In other words, you can't be merely sucked in to the action elements. And there are significant action elements in 1917. You have to be listening very closely. If you are though, and if you're watching closely, you see that trees as a as an element of rest play out in a very important way in the film. More on that in a minute. A second important point I think that Mendez and his screenwriter, fellow screenwriter, are making is that there is tremendous value in honor. Uh, Around the same time in the film, this is the longest conversation the two soldiers have for various reasons, Blake and Schofield converse about the importance of medals, winning a a medal for bravery in battle, in other words. Schofield has done this uh, in a prior action, and Blake is very impressed by it and thinks it's very important. Well, Schofield is clearly a witness to the tremendous difficulty of war and he does not attach any great importance to his medal. In fact, he reveals in very curt speech that he has traded his medal for a bottle of wine. And Blake is instantly offended by this, actually. He's perturbed by it. He tells him that that a medal means something uh, significant, and Schofield tells him that it's just a bit of tin. A medal is just a bit of tin. This will come into play later in the story when, after the death of a prominent figure in the film, all that is left to remember him by, to solemnize his life in that moment, are some personal effects, some, some little bits of tin, if you will. The moment passes so quickly just before the film ends. That, again, if you're not paying attention and if you're not looking for deeper themes in 1917, you'll probably miss it. And I, I honestly think many critics did. I'm saying this, by the way, as a thoroughly amateur reviewer. I am not paid a single cent for reviewing films and very likely shouldn't be. And yet occasionally you watch a film and you think, I'm surprised, but these much more gifted uh, thinkers about film, I think, have m- missed something here, and I think that is the case as I am saying with 1917. I think Mendes has a reputation as an action director. He's filmed several Bond films, for example, and and so he has this reputation as as being one who's who's good at putting on a show. But you know, there's probably not much more in his films than that, and I think that is actually quite incorrect in this case and in the case of other Mendes films. So, at the end of this film. The personal effects are handed over the the tin, in other words, is handed over and I think if you're paying attention, what you are seeing is that actually our personal effects let's let's go back to the metal for a minute have tremendous significance It's not that they have that import in an ultimate sense. please do not misunderstand from a Christian worldview, of course, um, we only take justifying faith in Jesus Christ with us beyond the grave. We take nothing personal and certainly nothing physical with us to heaven. Um, So let that be said. And yet, I do think that when we are talking about the world before us as we live and move and have our being in our God-allotted days on this earth, our metals, let's say, let's just camp out there, metals do have import even though it's just a a little piece of melted iron or tin or gold or whatever it may be. Even if we're looking at, let's say, let's switch it and say photographs of loved ones. Well, that has meaning, doesn't it? Even if we're talking about, let's say, I don't know, in a broader sense, a house. Of course, we shouldn't cling to our house in an ultimate way, as if we think we can take it with us to glory. We cannot. Full stop. But we also should not too quickly demean the common grace and good gifts of God that are given to us in this life. I think Mendez is signaling to us that the world around us matters. Think about this with me, friends, again, from a Christian worldview standpoint, the standpoint of sound biblical doctrine. God did not create. A spiritualized sphere where we all hover in a really weird galactic sense, passing through one another like clouds passing through one another. This is a very strange image, I admit. That's not how we live, right? We walk on ground, we plant gardens, we play in fields, we shoot basketballs into baskets, we bury our dead. In graves, We put rings on fingers that symbolize not merely a temporary feeling of temporary commitment, but that symbolize lifelong covenantal commitment of one man to one wife, one wife to one husband. These are the things we do. It's not, of course, that a ring ultimately is that which guarantees the endurance and sustenance of a marriage. It's only God that can do that. It's only God's grace that can save us and give us everlasting life. And yet think about this again. How was it that our salvation came? How is it that we have been purchased for God? We were purchased as a real flesh and blood man. God the Son incarnate, truly God and truly man, was put up upon A cross. What is a cross? A cross is a collection of trees hacked into a T shape and put into the ground. And that man, the God man Jesus Christ, was nailed to that cross with, yes, nails that pierced his hand. He had a crown of thorns upon his head, and he was crucified for us and for our salvation. So let us not be too quick or too hasty to dismiss the physical the significance of that which is made and formed in this world the world that god has made for us and for our salvation it is not that physical things again have ultimate meaning ultimate meaning is found in god and god alone and god is a spirit god is is not a physical substance that can be touched so let that be said and yet and yet our god has made This world has made a world of delights, has given us the bodies he has given us. He has given us either the form of a man or the form of a woman. In that alone, there is tremendous enchantment and meaning and significance and purpose and a script even for our very lives. I talk about these themes, as some of you know, in my new book, Reenchanting Humanity, a Theology of Mankind. If you want to dig into more of this perspective, I encourage you to pick it up because one of the themes I try to draw out and trace in Reenchanting Humanity is that creation does indeed matter. It matters tremendously. It does not have ultimate meaning and significance. Do not misunderstand. But it does have great meaning and significance, and that very much includes our bodies. Trees. God made trees. We talked about this theme at the end of 1917. One of our characters involved, a hero in truth who has passed through fire and tremendous violence to get where he is, rests against a tree. And I think that is a very significant connection for those who have eyes and patience to see it. In other words, it seems like to me, From my amateur position, Mendez is telling us that there is this link. There is this beautiful and elegant connection between trees and between rest. That's a powerful theme to think about when you consider scripture. You think about Genesis 3. You think about how there is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden. You think about how God has given all the trees except that one to the man and the woman to Adam and Eve from which to eat and be blessed you think about what significance a tree has for our salvation as we were talking about a moment ago a tree again that is not used as it was intended but is hacked and fitted and formed into a cross an instrument of crucifixion and yet one that is redeemed in the most profound sense by the person and work of Jesus Christ. And then finally, as you close your little thematic tracing of trees in Scripture, more you could say, you cannot help but think about Revelation 22. And you think about the New Jerusalem and the image that we have there. We know in Revelation 22 1 that there's a river, a river of the water of life flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And on either side of the river, there is what? the tree of life, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. And just so we very much understand the significance of the tree of life, John says this about it, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. I admit that there is mystery (laughs) as to the exact um, form of this tree and how it is that these leaves give us healing, and yet there is also clarity, isn't there? We are those who are headed to the new Jerusalem. We too are on a quest. We too are traveling through a war-torn land, a a, a tremendous cosmic fight between God and the devil, but soon we will have final and perfect rest. By God-given faith, justifying faith, we have already entered into the rest of Christ the sabbath has already come we are living truly a life of sabbath rest in Jesus Christ in other words rest from our works rest from any attempt to curry god's favor jesus has done the work for us and so we are freed and so we have salvific rest and not a little bitty trickle of it we have it we have it it is ours we are at rest in jesus christ and yet make no mistake we await full final, and perfect rest, consummated rest. And that is what will be ours very, very soon as we draw near to the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit. Thanks for listening to City of God, a podcast at the Center for Public Theology at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. We're so thankful you stopped by. We encourage you to continue to join the conversation at cpt.mbts.edu, the official website of the center. And we encourage you to follow us on Twitter and Facebook as well. Join us in coming days as we continue the conversation on what it means to be the city of God in the city of man.